God's grace, peace, and His mercy be upon you on this uh, 20-something Sunday after Pentecost through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Getting towards the end of the church year. Ever visited a church where everyone's wearing a name tag? You know, some churches do this. Not for their benefit, but for you, the visitor. But why not make name tags for visitors? Wouldn't that be a better way to, for the church to get to know them? Would seem that way, but not according to Pew Research. Yeah, which found out that uh, most visitors don't like being singled out. In fact, I remember several years ago, a family was visiting, sitting back there where the Smiths are right now and Elena, looking absolutely terrified. And when I approached them to welcome them and introduce myself, they looked even more terrified. Needless to say, we never saw them again. I mean, what can you do, right? Supposed to be a welcoming church? Pastor of all people is, you know. No, they were absolutely terrified. I did, I smiled. They looked like they were in real distress. Studies show that uh, people at churches feel more at home when they can call others by name first rather than the other way around. So you see, being able to call others by their first name visitor-wise, and if a visitor can call you all by your first name first, that can open up a whole new world or a whole new dimension of relationships. But don't you hate it when, you know, you you want to approach someone or you want to talk to someone and you, you you, you can't recall their name? You know, all you can say is, uh, uh, or, you know, what's your name again? <laughs> Being able to call someone by their name means you know them in a deeper way. If even it's just a little bit more than just, hey, you, or, uh. Bartimaeus is one of the few people healed by Jesus Christ that we know by name. Now, we know a few others. Know who they are? Very good. Lazarus is certainly someone Jesus healed, brought him back from death, the grave, and we know his name. Who else? Mary and Martha. Mary Mary from Magdala. Yeah, she had seven demons cast out of her. Seven. Seven. Yeah, Jesus cast seven demons from Mary from Magdala. And who else? There's one other person. The Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus' arrest. Malchus, very good. Oh, I wish I had some candy. That one deserves a full-size Snickers bar. I'm, I'm, I'm out of candy. And Halloween's coming up. How can, be, how can I be out of candy Well, you deserve a candy bar. Yeah, Malchus. That's about it as far as people who we can call by name whom Jesus healed. So perhaps we can appreciate Bartimaeus' healing more than we do for these other nameless people. I don't think Bartimaeus, however, if he were here with us today, would really care if we called him by name. What really mattered to him was that he was able to call someone else by name. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he cries. 
What mattered was that he could call Jesus by name. None of those multitudes whom Jesus healed was nameless to him. Jesus knew them all by name. And he knows every one of us by name. It's a great gift to us then that we can call on our God by his name. In our reading today from Mark, Mark tells us about Jesus' work in a miracle, an act of compassion and love for a man in need, a man we feel we can know just a little bit more because Mark tells us his name, Bartimaeus. We'll call him Bart from now on because that's just easier, right? That's what we would like to do in the English is shorten people's names because it's easy. The thing here is, Mark's account of Jesus healing Bart, this blind man, is like a bookend to another story earlier on of Jesus restoring sight to an unnamed guy in chapter 8. These two accounts are more than just doubling up a good thing. They both have subtle differences, and especially what happens in between these two healings helps us to understand more clearly what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because you're a disciple, you know that, right? You are a disciple of Jesus. Have you ever heard this before? I assume you've all heard this before. I've said it to you many times. We're disciples. We're all disciples. If you've never heard this before, or never considered yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, then keep on listening. Because a true disciple is a blind beggar who by Jesus' mercy follows in his way. A true disciple is always first a blind beggar. Now you may think, well, I'm not a blind beggar. Well, consider this. There's two kinds of blindnesses in the Bible, right? There's the blindness in which someone can't actually see with their eyeballs, right? The eyeballs are not working right or the brain, the nerves or whatever are not working. And then there's the blindness, the spiritual blindness in which, in which one cannot grasp the things of God with faith or belief. So it follows then as if we have two kinds of blindness, we must have two kinds of healings in the Bible as well. Blindness is evidence of creation that it's fallen into sin. But check this out. Mark pairs Jesus' healing of Bart with the earlier healing of the unnamed blind man for good reason. He's directing us, the hearers, to blindness as a spiritual figure of speech. Just before the first blind man's sight was restored, the disciples had shown an amazing lack of understanding about who Jesus was and what he came to do and his feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 with nothing in the bread basket to start with. And Jesus had asked them, although you have eyes, you do not see? How often might Jesus ask you and me the same question? You have eyes, but you cannot see? We fail all the time to see Christ's reign and rule blessing our lives. And we wouldn't be here without him. We're quick to accuse each other for things not working like they sh we think they should or criticize the church for the rapidly diminishing sense of Christianity in our land. Yet if Jesus wasn't Lord of the church, 
and Lord of all, we would already been lost. And this place and every other place where Christians gather around word and altar would be but a distant memory. Not only Bart then, but also Jesus' disciples and each of us current day disciples can only cry for mercy. Bart was moved by the Holy Spirit to cry out to God for mercy. Do we realize we are also blind beggars? Do we get that we're blind beggars when we call a loved one a bitch or some other colorful name instead of their real name? Does it register with us that we're blind beggars when we get angry because we can't control what other people do or say and we react terribly to that? Causing collateral damage that can go from generation to generation. We think we can see just fine. But we don't really. It's all the more reason to repent and thank God for continually seeking His wisdom and presence because Mercy on blind beggars restores sight. The earlier blind man I've been talking about, he's not in our reading today, but you can go home and read about him in chapter 8. Because, you know, we're accustomed to Jesus healing people and immediately they're restored, right? They can walk, they can see. But this unnamed blind man in Mark gets healed in two stages. See, when Jesus first touches him, he can't see clearly yet. He says that, oh, I can see people, but they look like trees that are walking. Then Jesus touches him again, and then he says he can see everything clearly. With Bart, Jesus only speaks to him once, and his sight is immediately restored. What happened in between these two miracles that would explain this difference? Well, Jesus had three times predicted his suffering, death, and resurrection between these two healings. When Jesus spoke those words to his disciples, they understood more clearly who Jesus is and what he came to do. Mark is telling us that the arrival of God and his kingdom on earth in Jesus Christ can only be seen more clearly in light of his death, resurrection, Otherwise, who is Jesus without his death and resurrection? Huh? Who is he? It's another guy, another man, another teacher, another rabbi, another prophet, another guru. This is the sight Jesus wants us to gain, to see that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus Christ, his son. It's what Bart has seen when Jesus says, your faith has healed you. We also see more clearly when we take it to heart that Jesus' death on the cross has paid for our sin and his resurrection from the tomb on Easter has given us life and healed us, everlasting life. And the one who now seeing follows Jesus' way. That is the Lord's true disciple. Jesus' Two healings of blind men have enabled us to see what true discipleship is like. The beggar can offer nothing, but only receive something from God. It means carrying a cross, as Jesus will carry a cross. Because Jesus says, if someone desires to truly follow me 
after me. Let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and then proceed to follow me. So what does being a true disciple look like for someone like you and me who live in little old Sherwood, Oregon or the surrounding towns and cities? What does it look like? Does it look like dropping everything you're doing and quitting your jobs or quitting school and being a missionary overseas? Well, if God is calling you to do that, you can do that. But being a disciple means we're following Jesus in his way in everywhere we go, in everything we're doing, in everything that we're saying. Jesus wants none of us to miss out on that. And he doesn't want anyone who hasn't heard about him yet to miss out on that either. That's why, as disciples, we tell the story. We tell the story of Jesus and his love. His Holy Spirit gives us the words to say at the right time and gives us what it takes to open our eyes and see Jesus more clearly. So may it be so for you. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.